Hey, welcome to the show. This is High Tech Sunday and I'm Lango Dean. We'll be joined today by a senior leader from an American technology company that is one of the world's biggest glassmakers. The company has major business sectors in display technologies, environmental technologies, life sciences, optical communications and specialty materials. When we peel back all those layers, the technologies include common things we all use every day. For example, touch screens and plasma screens, water purification machines, biomedical devices, food processing, digital systems and 3D sensors. Dr. Mark Vaughan manages technical talent pipelining and leads the Office of STEM for Corning Incorporated. In this role, Dr. Vaughan is responsible for coordinating campus relations and college recruiting, working in collaboration with human resources managers, chiefs of staff, and delivery officers. Vaughan began his 32-year career with Corning in 1988 as a research technician. He earned a bachelor's degree in physics from Alfred University, a master of science degree in optics from the University of Rochester, and a PhD in electrical engineering from the Georgia Institute of Technology. Prior to accepting his current appointment, Dr. Vaughan was a research associate in modeling and simulation, where he was a technical lead for optical network traffic, demand modeling, and access network cost modeling. In addition to his work with Corning, Dr. Vaughan, who is also an ordained minister, is a community leader. He previously or currently serves on several boards of directors, including the United Way of the Southern Tier, WSKG TV and Radio, Catholic Charities of Steuben County, and he was also twice elected to serve on the Corning Painted Post Board of Education. Welcome to the show, Dr. Vaughan. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much for that kind introduction, Lango. It is really a pleasure. It's an honor uh, to be afforded the opportunity to participate in this really special community of practice. This is a technology community forum who, in my opinion, uh, couldn't be more timely. I must say that I have had the great pleasure of being part of the Black Engineer Awards and Women of Color family for Wow, a decade and a half now, more than that, under the umbrella of Career Communications Group. And I know firsthand and have been impressed by and grateful for the visionary leadership of Dr. Tyrone Taborn and the enthusiastic pursuit of innovative excellence that he and his team are demonstrating day in and day out. Um, an example of this pursuit of innovation is, of course, the first ever hybrid women of color STEM conference experience that's coming up in October. Now, I know we're in June and we think that October is so far away, but let me remind us all that we know that somehow we woke up back on Monday and found ourselves in June already. The time is already flying by and October will be here before we know it. As I reflected on uh, the theme for this year's unique offering, which is Reset to Rise, the world is counting on us, it was not lost on me that right now, as we speak, the world is indeed counting on us and the world is watching. 
They're watching how we as a nation are dealing with yet another case of obvious and inexplicably overt inhumanity that tragically took the life of George Floyd. They are watching us and how we're handling the crisis that has become commonly known as Corona. They're watching us and what they see is up to all of us. So as a 55 and by God's grace, soon to be 56 year old black man in America who is husband to one and the same wife for nearly 34 years, the father of five, father in love of two, and pop-pop of two, who is also an ordained minister, as you mentioned, for 23 years, and an ordained bishop with an international pastoral fellowship for 13 years, a man who grew up in poverty in a single-parent home with a strong Black mama who never went to college, a man who started out in remedial classes but still went on to earn a PhD in electrical engineering from arguably one of the top engineering schools in the world, I have learned to be adept at juggling the many hats that I wear. Family man, community leader, scientist, minister, American. Nevertheless, events like the homicide of George Floyd and even the exaggerated call for help by Central Park Karen the same day serves as reminders that for many, there is often still just one hat that they see when they see me, a black man, a black man in America who for all his education and extensive track record of contributions and accomplishments, including proudly, by the way, being a proud winner of a 2007 Black Engineer of the Year Award, is still a man of color who experiences the micro and sometimes not so micro inequities of race just about every day. A Black father who still has to have the talk with his grown sons before they go on vacation or even go to hang out with friends after dark. Indeed, the untimely and inexplicable death of George Floyd has shined a light on our country and uncovered the fact that we all knew, but perhaps had grown weary of giving words to. That fact is this, as a nation from before Trayvon Martin, to now George Floyd, we've suffered loss. We are hurting. We are troubled. We are angry. And we are in mourning. <clears throat> Not only have we witnessed and experienced the unnecessary loss of way too many black and brown people in this country, though, this new year of 2020, this new decade has proven to be the backdrop for unprecedented loss to, due to the global pandemic. Much of the country and even the world has spent nearly half the year on lockdown. Who could have thought of that? As the world now begins the process of reopening though, there's no better time to reflect on that theme, reset to rise. In a way, it actually seems to be somewhat prophetic when you think about it. In its common usage, I think we tend to think of a reset in terms of restoring a device to its, what, 
original factory settings, right? Why? Typically, it's because we've lost something, whether it's data or functionality or even access, correct? Consider this, though. We almost never think about a reset until we've actually noticed that something isn't working quite right and we're not willing to just let it continue that way. That can be the case with a device or a business, an organization or even a society. But let's be clear though, unless and until we acknowledge that there's been a loss, the reset will not happen. We won't see that there's a need. And there will be no opportunity to rise to a new and better steady state. Therefore, on this inaugural return of High Tech Sunday, I wanted to acknowledge loss. Because of the unknowns that came into view for us in this country back in early March and that still persist in regards to the novel coronavirus, a new normal actually an abnormal, rapidly began to become a reality. In less than a week's time back in mid-March here in New York State, we went from business as usual to schools and colleges and businesses being closed and transitioning to a virtual offering. Lango for nearly three months I have not shook hands with or embraced anyone who doesn't live with me or who isn't a family member who I know has been staying home except to go out for essentials. And even then, they are masked and physically distancing. Abnormal. The last time I was in the same room with colleagues was 79 days ago. Abnormal. Eleven and a half weeks, no regular church gatherings, no track meets with my son, no senior prom for him. He's our youngest. I haven't even been inside a restaurant since mid-March. That's abnormal. And all of these abnormals compounded together feel like incredible loss. And then there's the real loss. As we talk right now. More than 110,000 lives have been lost here in the United States alone, and more than 400,000 lives lost worldwide. I know of communities that have been literally decimated. And with the lockdown measures in place, you sometimes don't even realize that someone has fallen victim to this disease until days after the fact. No funerals, no repasts, nothing physical, loss. And then there's the 40 million of our colleagues who are now unemployed. People who you might only see at work when you could go to work, but you still enjoyed those encounters, those chance meetings in the hallway, those real meetings you attended because you were on the same project team. Then COVID-19 hit. Then the lockdown hit. Then the economy was hit. And now you literally may never see some folks again. 
I remember the telecom winter of nearly 20 years ago. There were people impacted by that economic downturn who I would see every day and then never saw them again. Real loss. Now, quite unexpectedly, though, the major saving grace in all of this abnormal has been science and technology. I'm not just talking about the frontline heroes in hospitals and nursing homes and on police and fire departments. Those who are using the science of medicine to track and test and treat this virus. I'm not even just talking about the science and technology leveraged by those in the physical and life sciences who have taken on the Himalayan task of developing a vaccine. I'm actually thinking about the manufacturing and engineering innovations that automakers, for example, rapidly deployed to switch their lines from making cars to making ventilators. I'm talking about those in the textile manufacturing business who switched from making clothes to making masks. Even those who leaned into 3D printing technology to mass produce masks and face shields. In a way, technology really has stepped up and saved the day. And in ways that most of us probably don't even fully fathom. Prior to March of this year, for example, I know many folks had never even heard of this thing called Zoom. Now, Zoom and GoToMeeting and Skype and WebEx have become inextricably linked to how we work and how we worship, how we communicate and how we stay connected. Thanks to technology, think about it. I've continued having business meetings sometimes back-to-back -back meetings, just like before the pandemic. I've attended conferences and even conducted job interviews. At church, while we've not had a regular in-person service since March 15th, we haven't missed a single Sunday worship experience. We haven't missed a single midweek Bible study fellowship. Truth be told, in fact, I'm actually preaching to and reaching 20 times more people than before New York was shut down. How is that possible? Technology. Think about the sophisticated optics and electronics in our computers and smartphones that many had used mostly perhaps for games and social media. Now, they've become a lifeline for those lost human connections. I Zoom with family members from across the country once a week just to check in and see how everyone's doing. I do the same with the pastors that I lead in West Africa. I have parishioners who FaceTime with loved ones who are in hospitals because visitation is now restricted. I have even attended a funeral service via Facebook live stream. Because of social distancing, it was the only way that I could pay my respects. Technology does have its limits though. When you have literally, it seems like everyone now trying to get online, bandwidth issues are sure to be encountered and they have been. So this pandemic 
has showed us that there is still a need for even more broadband infrastructure and access. And oh, we certainly will have the opportunity on future podcasts to be talking about the related inequity issues that have been uncovered regarding access at some point. We need even better optics and high-speed electronics. We need technology. And once again, the world is looking to us. I don't mean us in the United States. I mean us in STEM. Lango, I am an unabashed science geek. There, I said it. I admitted it. How cool is it for me to think about the fact that the work that I did researching optical network architecture and modeling the voice and internet and data traffic on these networks in some small way has contributed to the technologies that we are now depending on to help bridge the gap between the losses we've all experienced and the normalcy that we all crave. We can't stop the progress. We need STEM students, historically black colleges, universities, and universities around the nation, around the world, and others who are already in the field. We need them researching ways to combat viruses like this one that is currently the focus of the world. We need to continue to push the envelope and smash records when it comes to making broadband communications more robust and, yes, more accessible. We need even more high tech. Lango, I was happy to hear you mention that these podcasts would include opportunities to draw upon spiritual philosophies as we contemplate high tech topics. As a man of faith, I've actually been reflecting on the idea of a reset for months now. In the Bible, in the second chapter of the book of Revelation, there's an assessment made about leaving your first love and then doing your first works over again in order to redress this. To me, this is what reset is all about. Acknowledging that we've gotten off track and intentionally taking action to get back on track, but not before recalling that the point is not to be forgotten in the first place. What is the point of science and technology? What is the point? What is the point of being my brother's keeper for that matter? In the case of science and technology at Corning, we believe that what we do is supposed to, at the end of the day, make the world a better place by making life better for the people in it. If the real interest in having a reset isn't that we'll all be better for it, that we'll all rise together, then all we've lost will never truly be regained. With the time that I have left, I, I, I want to share with you something else related to Reset that I've been reflecting on, if that's okay. It's kind of like uh, three more R words, resilience, refuge, and rest. 
resilience, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Here in the United States, we know something about resilience. Resilience also means toughness. We know something about that as well. There's a saying from my adolescence that went something like this, and some of you remember it too. If you can take it, you can make it. Sharing another Bible reference from Matthew 24th chapter, verse 13. He that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. We got to hang in there. And as we've all seen the words of encouragement on commercials and on bid billboards, we got to do it together. We need refuge, though. What is a refuge? A refuge is a shelter from a storm or from danger. We look at this novel coronavirus as a danger. We don't understand it. We've been trying to take care of ourselves, but we really don't feel safe because of what we don't understand. A refuge is also a place of safety and protection and power. That word refuge is also often linked to the idea of a fortress. And that, in turn, carries the idea of a net, a safety net. That's what folks are looking for as they fear for their health and they fear for their families and they fear for their jobs. And it's that that they need in order to really find rest. What have we all experienced a certain level of since the pandemic came squarely into focus for us? A certain amount of unrest. That has certainly been the case over the course of the last two weeks here in the United States. By God's grace, though, we are resilient. We can look to Him as our refuge. And he can give us rest so that we can reset to rise. While last week, Memorial Day week, was a tough one, for me, it included a really special, unexpected high point that came around 3.22 p.m. Eastern Time last Saturday. I was riveted in place in front of the TV as I witnessed the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket lift off with the two-man Dragon crew inside on their way to the International Space Station. This was the first time the U.S. had returned people to space in nearly a decade. Now, strange as it may sound, I am not ashamed to admit that I wept uncontrollably when the astronauts entered low Earth orbit about 12 minutes into the flight. So why the tears? Well, this may have been the first time I watched the launch of a manned spacecraft in 34 years. You see, I remember well the Challenger disaster of 1986. I was actually working as an intern at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory on January 28, 1986, when the shuttle came apart 73 seconds after liftoff, and crew members Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Ron McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Krista McAuliffe, you remember the teacher? Greg Jarvis and Judy Resnick were lost. I worked in 
time and frequency standards, which didn't have anything to do with the space shuttle. But there were people at JPL who worked on space shuttle projects, including the Challenger. They lost people that they knew. You really can't get much more high tech than space travel, right? From the materials engineering to the propulsion systems to the communications technology, it is all crazy good, best in class. We're talking Star Trek. But disasters like the Challenger reminded us that technology is ultimately delivered by man. We've learned a lot since 1986, thankfully. But as I watched the launch a week ago, I realized that I was holding my breath and silently praying for the safety and wellness of those astronauts. When my breath returned, the tears came. They were tears of relief. They were tears of pride and awe as well, because we'd returned man to space. After a nearly 10-year reset, thanks to technology and the special grace of God, we rose again. And what a rise it was. Thanks. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Vaughn. That was just outstanding. I mean, what a reset it was and what a rise it gave all of us, didn't it? I mean, seeing that SpaceX, SpaceX's first astronaut launch in collaboration with NASA, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't do better than that. And like you said, it, the return to space. So there were all of these things. And as I listened to you, I also was um, encouraged by the fact that you look to how the United States continues to work to recover from the COVID-19 crisis. Of course, there are lots of discussions uh, going on right now about getting the economy on track. Uh, we're reading about the economy contracting by 5% in the first quarter. You also mentioned the 40 million people who are now unemployed. But as, as businesses begin to reopen their doors, I'd, I'd like you to comment on reset and rising from that standpoint. But before you do that, we also want to acknowledge the 100,000 people who lost their lives. As, as a million people have recovered from COVID-19, but there have been more than 100,000 deaths across the United States. That's, that's a somber milestone. And, and you rightly acknowledge that. Um, I also want to, us to touch on, a, you to touch on a little bit before we go about the direct relationship between overt racism and how employers like yourselves will help reset and rise. I mean, there've been many, many comments about the injustice and people standing in solidarity with employees and communities as, you know, as they voice their anguish over the, you know, the system that oppresses and devalues people. Um, and, and some, but we must remember some of the most successful companies in the United States, successful employers have always led change. And they've, they have helped address the structural racism and the systems that allowed this injustice. So I'd like you to look to, to comment on that and to also look at the fact that we have safe spaces like the Women of Color Conference in Bayer, 
where these hard conversations can be had um, and how you are constantly re-examining what corporate responsibility means at a time like this, especially for young people, millennials and Generation Z, who are the young consumers and the talented employees that employees are looking to hire in STEM jobs. How are organizations going to reset diversity and inclusion when values are threatened by systemic problems and, and fight against systemic racism and injustice? I know that's a lot, but <laughs> I, I think, yeah, but I, I think I'll, I'll leave it to you to sort of like make kind of make sense out of it all. Will do. Uh, great questions, and and I really appreciate uh, the heart and the spirit behind them. Because as we said, opening uh, this broadcast, we have to acknowledge that our nation is hurting. Uh, there is loss that we just don't know how to give voice to. Uh, and especially people from communities of color uh, are really in the thick of it. So I'm going to um, uh, direct my response first to where you ended, and that is with the response and responsibility of those in business and industry to help drive change. I mentioned that I've been with my company now for two years and that's a long time and we have certainly seen i have certainly seen a lot during the time that i've been with this company and one of the things that i am really proud to actually share with people when i have the occasion to represent corning incorporated at conferences and other gatherings is that we have a set of core values by which we actually govern ourselves they are our north star and they are more than uh, just a set of words on a page a nice um uh poster on the wall that you happen to walk by and no longer read. It really is something that we live and breathe, if you will. I've had the opportunity to visit many Corning locations around the country and the world. And even though when you travel, for example, to our uh, European Technology Center uh, outside of Paris, or you go to the West Coast Silicon Valley to our West Coast Technology Center, culture is different, environment is different in many places languages different more than half of the people who work for corning today actually live outside of the united states but you enter that corning facility the values are still the same why because they are really timeless and universal and the value whenever you see our values listed the value that is on the bottom is the individual. And I tell people that it's not because it is the least important, that's why it's the, on the bottom. It's actually the foundation on which the other values actually find their relevance. In this present situation that all of us have been grieving over and wrestling with, I am very proud to tell you that Corning, just like it has in the past, when there have been local or regional or national crises of this nature, has come out with a specific, well-worded, simply transparent statement that said, this is wrong and we stand against it. We celebrate and will protect 
these values that we are guided by. And the expression of those values means that we will not tolerate racism. We will not tolerate abuses of you name, lifestyle, abuses because of gender, because of age, because of race, because of where you come from, because of where you live and work. Uh, it's simply the case that those kinds of things have to be understood and expressed. And so uh, you ask what business and industry have to do. First, you have to acknowledge it. We live in our community in a place that is, I would say, two to three percent ethnically and racially diverse. And so when I talk about two to three percent, I'm talking about African-Americans, Asians, Pacific Islanders, Native Americans, Latinos, all combined may make up three, maximum five percent of the population in this region. And so it's easy for folks to become cavalier or to become um, completely uh, unrealistic about the fact that, oh, we don't have these kinds of issues here. Corning does not take that position. Just because you don't see it overtly happening on the streets of Corning doesn't mean it's not happening. And we have facilities all over the world and all over this country where things do happen. And so you got to acknowledge it first. You got to stand against it second. And you have got to encourage the leaders of other companies to follow suit. And I believe that that is the kind of leadership that we have here. And I know that Corning is not the only company. You also talked about the fact that we have millennials, we have Generation Y and Z. I meet with those people regularly as I am going to campuses and engaging with deans and, and other administrators. I have the opportunity to engage students as well. And it matters to them. It is not just the case that young people are interested in a good place to work that pays them well. They wanna know that you are socially conscious, that you are environmentally responsible, and that you are living a way that is aligned with what the values that they have are. And so at the end of the day, if a company doesn't take a stand, doesn't have a position when it comes to something like the overt racism that we are uh, wrestling with in this country, you're going to begin to have to think about your own bottom line because you need the talent. And if the talent isn't there, then you're going to struggle. You also mentioned the difficulty with all of this. One of the best statements that I have heard, I think, this week was when somebody said, indeed, these kinds of conversations are uncomfortable. And so we just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable until we find an answer. I don't think that many of us in many sectors of our society have had to get uncomfortable with this. I think that the George Floyd tragedy has made people uncomfortable in a way that they haven't been before. 
And I think that it is absolutely linked to the COVID-19 pandemic. People have been locked down. People have had the opportunity perhaps to be more reflective. And I think when we are starting to come out into the light and the first thing that we have to deal with is a homicide on national television, it really struck a chord because people were paying attention in a way that they might not have otherwise if they were busy going about what we normally go about doing when we aren't in a pandemic situation. So I think that we have the opportunity not to squander this moment, but to continue a movement. And I think that at the end of the conversation, we still are going to be relying on technology to make sure that those strides, those gains are sustained. Thank you, Dr. Vaughn. Thank you for helping us connect the dots. Because sometimes, you know, you talk about STEM and technology and all that, but it just seems so like 30,000 foot. Exactly. But today, you, you kind of brought it all together. And even when I was reading out your bio and you're talking about things like optics and physics, and you're thinking, well, how, how does all of this? But that, that um, smartphone you're holding in your hand, in, at, at home or you know on the street uh, the broadband that makes it possible for you to get on the internet okay well he's someone who's been working on it maybe hasn't made big names in it but they are the people in the behind the scenes doing all the good stuff that makes it possible for us to do what we're doing now having this high-tech sunday podcast so and then when you connect it all to the, the, the not just the engineering and the science and the technology to the vaccines and everything else, but when you connect it to the social, the social problems, to the societal issues, then it makes you stop and think. And, and that's what we want to go on doing in this new podcast. So we, we hope people will, you know, listen to it, give it a try. And we look forward, of course, to speaking with you, a leader in the world of STEM, speaking with you some more uh, about the future. Uh, the future of jobs, uh, talent, uh, the reimagination, resetting, rising, and um, we look forward to all of that. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll um, over to you, Dr. Vaughn, because um, I've run out of words right now. I'm just so overwhelmed. <laughs> Oh, not a problem. I certainly, uh, again, am appreciative of the opportunity to have these conversations, as I said. Um, and, and as you know, uh, there are so many sectors uh, that have been touched, but I don't think there's any sector that has been left untouched uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic. I think that because of how it is unfolding around the world, it really is uh, kind of, um, uh, it's it's hard to call it a perfect storm, but that's what it seems like it is. Uh, we're being forced uh, to deal with things that we haven't before. I mentioned uh, in my comments about uh, the, the realities of inequity uh, and that inequity is largely uh, experienced by people uh, from communities of color. When we think about the 
uh, challenges that have been undeniably uncovered uh, regarding how this pandemic has uh, uh, stricken people uh, in uh, urban centers where there are uh, majority minority. When you think about the whys behind all of that, these are things that people who have been living it have been decrying for generations, but now we have the opportunity, thanks to the fact that all of us are hearing the message loud and clear, to actually make sure that it does not get buried again once we move back out into the light. And so, uh, again, I think that these conversations are timely. I think that it is absolutely an opportunity to shine a light also on how inextricably linked technology is to how we are going to be able to come out of this. It is so necessary uh, not to any longer take it for granted that this amazing device that we have in our hands uh, can be a lifeline and not just a source of entertainment. Uh, and uh, I, I think that uh, with the incredible community uh, that Career Communications Group has linked together, we uh, will absolutely find inspiration as we continue to uh, lead the charge and be servant leaders who are trying to drive change that will ultimately raise the bar for all of us in this country and around the world. Amen to that, Dr. Vaughn. Amen to that. Thank you so very much. Absolutely. Remember, Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development in technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math. The community runs from national thought leaders, aspiring K-12 students, and this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the Bay of Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. See you back here next Sunday.